Gonna get a lot of dough. Anything is possible. Turn me up in the headphones. Yeah. Grind to get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles. Cause anything is possible. Yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of gold. Stack that bread and buy my nose. Anything is possible. Yeah. yeah. Grind to get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles. Cause anything is York Weezy probably don't like me. La da 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 da. I'm in a New York state of mind today. So y'all know I do mindset. Like mindset is my big thing, my big, big, big thing. And you know, if you want to ask me, like I switch between mental models. If you were to come and ask me right now, like today, you know, Marcus, where's your mental state at right now? It's a New York state of mind. Shout out Nas, New York state of mind. I feel like, you know, like Empire State, Jay-Z and, and uh, Alicia Keys. What's up, y'all? I guess we should go ahead and get the intro out the way. It's me, little old me, back from Pee Mark, if you can't tell, man, I am feeling good. Like last night's episode, I, I definitely, like I said, I was feeling, you could hear my excitement from Jump. In that very beginning, I'm like, man, fuck it, let's go. I was, I was hyped, man. I was, because I knew that this, this three episode span was going to go this way. Because as I said, this is my topic, like creativity, education. This is my this is my jam, right? This is where I love to go. These are conversations I love to have. This is all I really like to talk about. It's one of those things of like, I understand I have to talk about other things with people, but I'm, I'm trying to make it to a point where the only people around me, this is the only conversation we're having, right? Because I don't really care about much else. It's all about the kids. It's all about creativity. Community and connection, my E's, my C's, man, the E's, the C's, whatever. I want to, before we go, you know, too deep, today is Friday, by the way, so flashback Friday episode, you know, as I said on the, on this past Saturday's episode with the, uh, damn, what did I call it? Saturday special. So the idea behind that is, you know, I, hey, I enjoy getting on here and talking, so I figure if I'm going to have my regular Tuesday, Thursday schedule, that's only two days a week. Uh, and really a lot what's going on recently has been people doing the one day a week, which I had considered, but I'm like, hell, I, you know, I don't want to just go dry, especially over a weekend span. Like niggas forget about you over the weekend. They go out and get drinks and stuff and you come back on Tuesday, they'd be like, oh yeah, we thought you stopped. We thought you weren't doing that anymore. <laughs> That's what I'd be thinking like, oh yeah, I thought you kind of were no longer podcasting, especially like doing seasons, like doing it by, oh man, drop my pen, doing it by seasons. I could definitely see somebody being like, we, I thought, thought that was the end of the season. So not that there will always be three episode weeks, but here we go. Another three episode week, man. So Flashback Friday, I think, uh, you know, that's kind of self-explanatory. We know what Flashback Friday normally means, you know, has meant on socials and Instagram specifically. It's we're going back, man. We're going back to Little Mark. Little Mark. They used to call me Little Marcus. Uh, and they, a lot of my family does still call me Little Mark. Uh, I guess it's kind of weird because I haven't, you know, Big Mark hasn't been here for a while. And then I kind of no longer little. I'm still I'm only five, six, five, seven. Let's let's five, seven. Let's be honest. Really like five, eight on a good day. And I wear boots. So really, I'm like five, ten. Like if we're being honest, I'm like five, ten because I wear boots a lot. I make sure I buy my shoes with a little bit of heel. You know, niggas back in the day, like Prince wore lifts, man. 
Prince wore heels and lifts, I'm pretty sure. Like, Prince was small. Y'all know, like, Prince was small. So, I want to, before, you know, we go too deep, because we're not going to, it won't be going too deep as far as away from this, because this ties in. I got some notes on it. I ended up coming, the episode dropped two days ago uh, of the Pivot podcast, and I haven't been watching the Pivot much of this year at all. Um, I know it's only January, but with the amount of content I do consume, that is saying something. Uh, I hadn't been really watching too much YouTube at all, which was odd. I've been getting back into YouTube a lot, but for some reason, I, I enjoy long form content. And we were talking about this on either yesterday or Tuesday, you know, the attention span thing. I have a theory and this will tie in as well that we have developed ADHD and it's not a theory. This is like proven, um, but I was saying it last summer before I even saw studies about it. I believe that we've given ourselves ADHD specifically as a society and as a generation, like Gen Z has um, embedded like kind of evolutionary the way you think about how neuroscience works and neuroplasticity. It is 100% possible. <clears throat> and I believe, yeah, that we've just kind of conditioned ourselves to have this attention deficit where we cannot focus on a damn thing. And it comes from tick. Like, okay, I'm gonna be honest. I'm fully behind banning TikTok. I, I like TikTok. I enjoy TikTok. But the thing about TikTok, the only reason that I do enjoy TikTok is because people like me, people that, you know, want to give education, that simply want to just give game and insight and knowledge, they understand the, the value of TikTok because, fuck, you're not going to listen to me talk for an hour, so here's 60 seconds rather than 60 minutes. My theory is I don't give a damn what you're going to listen to. I'm going to talk for 60 minutes. And if you listen to 60 minutes, which you should be great. If you don't, sorry about you. Like that's, that's so well, you know, but what the thing about TikTok, like when you, there's a bunch of nonsense, like doom scrolling is, is ridiculous. Like I don't understand why we have a term for a bunch of bullshit, but we do have a lot of bullshit terms that we just kind of throw around as a way to like alleviate. It's funny. Like, again, talking about the way we like words are so interesting. Now, we're going to get back to pivot, but words are so interesting. And I mean, it ties directly into pivot in a way that we have these words that don't mean bad things. Ego, um, cock, well, cocky, you know, whatever confidence. Um, what it's there's quite a few. I have a list of words that I just when I come across people using them in negative connotation. And I'm like, yeah, you're just using that wrong pride. Um, just the, all these. And a lot of them are. When you, it's funny even hearing myself say them, and I don't think of them as negative, but I'm also hearing the Twitter of it. Like, you know, the Twitter verse saying, oh, look at this nigga, what is he? Shut up. I, I Recently, I want to tell so many people, like, shut up. Twitter is filled with people I just want to say, shut up. Y'all don't be talking about nothing. Y'all don't be talking about anything. And then it's the ones that don't be talking about shit worth of anything that is like, okay, how are you ever... I, I've clicked the not interested in this topic so much in the past week, because I'm not interested in anything so many of y'all have to say. But that is the beautiful thing about, you know, the algorithms and social media and being intentional about it. I've curated my feeds in such a way that it does only reflect the things that align with my values and beliefs and not, you know, in a confirmation sense, but in, again, the affirmation sense. The I know what I know and I believe what I believe. So why would I skew away from that? But I also know where it's led me. And it's only going to good and positive and happiness and love and joy and peace and less stress. So why the fuck would I not keep that coming back and, you know, keep that coming more? Like, I don't want to see niggas on there I, today talking about thug with the perks. And I don't care. I don't care. Like, good luck. God bless them. But I don't care. That's not my business. I don't care. The lights of the Eiffel Tower. 
That's the last decade. Fashion week, that's the last decade. We don't, man, I'm hyped today. So talking about words and talking about the Pivot podcast, two, two days ago, uh, they interviewed Kwame Brown. And we all, you know, Kwame Brown, kind of infinite, infamous name. But it's funny if you watch, and that's where I was going with this. I think everybody needs to watch that. Everybody needs to watch that interview. If nothing else, to get a bad narrative out of your head of an individual that did not deserve to have it in the first place. Okay. That word bust. Oh, man. The way he, you know, went about that. And it's funny. So Fred Taylor, I guess they'd interviewed Jamarcus Russell, which I haven't seen that one, but I may go ahead and watch it soon enough. So I guess Jamarcus Russell said while he was on there, if you're going to call me a bust, make sure you put the biggest in front of that motherfucker. I love that. I was like, yeah, yeah, Jamarcus, say that. Because here's the thing. If you're going to label me a bust, which first round draft pick played decade and well, I don't know how long Jamarcus played. I can't remember. But Jamarcus is known as one of the most talented football players we've seen. Uh, very few black men have been allowed to play the quarterback position. Similar to Kwame Brown. Like you talk about a nigga who went number one out of high school. That's not really a normal thing. And y'all niggas are walking around calling this man a bust. Talking down on this man's name because he didn't perform up to your standards. Your standards as a as an NBA watcher, not an NBA player. Nigga's standards as an NBA watcher, a Stephen A. Smith. You've never played a fucking second of NBA basketball, yet you're walking around calling this man a bust. And it's no slight to Sass, no slight to Stephen A. I don't have a I do have an issue with Stephen A. Smith as far as Stephen A is kind of a contradictory individual. Another one of those that I'm like, damn, you kind of feel like a pawn. I'm not calling you a pawn, but you feel like a pawn. You feel like the one that you want to do well for your community. You want to be a good example. But every time you open your mouth, when it comes to times when you could really make that difference and change the narrative, you say some fuck shit. You say or do something that is counterintuitive. And let's just call it what it is, anti-black. That, that's really where we're going with a lot of this. And it's funny that that word is starting to be kind of used as a buzzword. I, I, I think buzzwords are funny. specific, And that's really where a lot of these come from, like the things like bust, um, you know, and manifestation and high vibration. You remember, remember the girl, uh, the, the, what's her name? I can't even remember. The lifestyle coach that was telling that girl, that woman that her plate was a, um, a hood rat plate. Like that's one. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. But for real, man, like, okay, so Kwame Brown, it was very interesting to watch him speak. And even at the very end, like Ryan, Fred and Channing all told him like, yo, the, after this hour, I look at you in a completely different light. Like you are not the individual one that we thought you were, but also that people are trying to make you out to be. So I want to just touch on some things that Kwame spoke on in that interview because they directly tie into what we're talking about today. Today's episode is something I said in the past two episodes and maybe sometime last week. I was always, we love Marcus, but this is talking about teachers. He's a good kid. He's a great student, but... And it's funny what the butts would end up being because there would be butts that really were not relevant, one, to my education, like not stopping me at all from learning. And then there would be ones that, like I said yesterday, were my teachers lying? Today I can say, yeah, yes, they were. My teachers were indeed lying on me. <laughs> like I, that's, it's a funny thing to say almost. Like that, that sounds like a wild statement. And that's where I, I came to the conclusion recently, like, damn, I kind of don't blame my, like, I don't blame my mom for not, not believing me because I hear it in my head now and I'm like, yo, that sounds insane. But like, they were lying. And I, but when I, you know, put it into the context of what I meant by that yesterday, 
I don't necessarily believe that, well, some of them were indeed lying. Like some of them indeed were just, I don't know, had this inferiority complex, whatever it may be, that they they did not like that there was a 10-year-old who, when it came down to an explanation, another student saying, fuck, I don't know what's going on here. And our teacher just went over everything and I still don't get it. Let me go ask my friend rather than the teacher. They like that's literally how the conversation would go. Well, if they need help, they can come ask me. You don't need to be. Well, nigga, they did ask you and you either turned them away because you were too busy or you were helping the nigga who always needed help because he he wasn't paying shit worth of attention. He actually was talking the entire time and he came to you first because he wasn't afraid to come because he immediately knew he didn't know what was going on. So he came up there. But my friend right here who was paying attention and trying his hardest the entire time, and he did try to do it on his own because that's what you told him to do. Don't come to me unless you tried it on your own. So he did try it on his own. And then he got to the point where he was like, damn, I can't do this. But also the same when we would have the rule. Okay, three before me. If anybody remembers that rule, find three sources. Okay, try it on your own. That's source number one. Ask a friend. That's source number two. Go to a book. That may be source number three. If you can't find it, then then go ask your teacher. I would get in trouble for always being the second or first source. If that would be Marcus is a good kid, but he has no respect for authority. No, bitch, I have no respect for you. I have no respect for you. Me and authority get along just fine. I don't have respect for you. Okay. So what Kwame was talking about, it was interesting. One of the that, you know things that caught my mind immediately, and this is about seven minutes in. So if you're going to watch it like, that first 30 minutes or so is insane. But the entire interview, the entire hour is beautiful. He spoke about being in rooms with city council members and mayors and, you know, different people in positions of so-called power, authority figures. And he was saying, like, these people don't actually want to fix anything. Or if they do, they want to fix it, as I brought up yesterday, in their likeness, in their image, for status. They want to fix it so they can say they tried, so they can say they did. We put this much time, money, and effort and energy into it. It should work. So he was saying, like, when he tells these individuals, hey, yo, like, I know, yeah, you, those programs that you're bringing up, that's not going to work. And they ask why. He's telling them, look, I've been in these programs. And the biggest thing, what I love, I, I wrote it down. I love that he said this. I can't take the program home with me. When I go home at the end of the, at the end of the day, that program, that after school program that you sent me to for an hour after already being in a ridiculous situation for eight, that's not going to go home with me when, you know, there's no. And this is not speaking necessarily toward my life, but many individuals that I know and from where I come from. Yet I when I talk about my experience and my my upbringing, I, I'm a lucky one. I got lucky to be raised in a family that gave a damn and that, you know, was able to make things happen and that did not take no for an answer in such a way that it made sure that even if they had to go without, we did not, right? Like there was no situation where I was going to go hungry. Now, I don't I don't think my mom went hungry at certain times, like, you know, didn't eat so that I could. But if so, like I wouldn't necessarily be surprised to find that out because, yes, that is the you know environment that I was brought up in. And that's what leads me to be who I am today. So as I said, I did get lucky, but I also do not have a particularly unique experience. And that was one thing that Ryan Clark mentioned specifically talking about Kwame. He said that these are exact words. You know, you've gone through traumatic experiences that are not unique to you, but they are unique for a human. 
Remember when I was saying, like, I'm always shocked when people, when I, you know, they hear my story and they're like, oh, man, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know that's how it was. I didn't know that's where things were going through. I didn't know that's how people on the south side of Chicago were being brought up. And I'm like, oh, man, you should hear, you know, you should hear about my homie down the street. You should hear about my, my nigga Andre. I I remember back before we moved to Denton, and I've, I've told people this story. When I first moved here, actually, the way that I would, you know, one story I would get to relate to people or, like, get people to understand kind of, why we like they why'd you move from Chicago? Which everybody, it's funny to think like that question used to get asked. And now the second I say I, I'm from Chicago, like Chicago, I bring that word up. People's first reaction is, oh my gosh, it's so dangerous. And I want to tell them, no, like them, I want to also say, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about because all you're doing is taking what you've seen on the news, right? It, J. Cole says, how are we supposed to feel what the governor, governor wrote when he ain't never rolled? Uh, he says, president, how are we supposed to feel what the president spoke when he ain't never rolled to the ghetto, ain't never been close? So it's like with that, you got people on these news, on these news cycles talking all this shit about the inner cities, about the kids that come from it, about this, that and the other. And it doesn't help when you have hip hop and rap music portraying such an image that getting like Cole's lit. J. Cole, I, I, re- I came to a realization like last night I was reading reading Spooker sat by the door and it was reading that book that just kind of hit me. And I was like, yo, actually it was me looking at a picture. It was looking at, looking at some Jay-Z stuff while I was in the middle of it. And it came to me realizing like, yeah, Jay has been a phenomenal figure for me in my, you know, more recent years and my more adult years. But as a kid, like ages, what Cole came out when I was like eight, seven or eight, nine around then. I remember the very first time I heard J. Cole, I was talking about this the other day. When my sister, used, my older sister used to take me to football practice. So I, I played peewee football for like a week when I was, <laughs> I was like, hey, I played it for like a week, bro. I didn't want to play football one. I didn't like getting hit. Like, I was like, the second they put them pads on me and niggas started hitting, I was like, ooh, we. They used to make us run a lap before practice every day. And it wasn't even like a full 200 meter, I mean, 400 meter track. This was around our football field. But this, the field, you know, whatever. We used to run that. I think I probably did that twice. And I was like, ooh, I ain't rocking with this. Which is funny because that's nothing. That was nothing new. Like, I've always hated distance running. I remember when we used to, like, man makers, I used to kill a man maker. But when I got kicked off of our seventh grade track team, I went to, I ran one meet. I ran our four by one. Me, Daniel, Dewan, and I think uh, either Cole or somebody, I don't know, ran our four by one. The very next practice we get back, I think we did pretty well in the four by one. Get back to practice. Coach Fisher, again, you want to talk about like individuals that as far as educators go and like probably did things a lot of the wrong way because it was it was a my way or the highway system that they went on. And it was like, but your your way is the highway to hell. Your way is the highway to hell. And you don't even know that. You just want it, you want so badly to be in control and to feel this this modicum of power that you have to, you, I don't, I don't know why, I don't know what it, it's a power trip for sure, but I don't know what it is specifically within these individuals. And there are people that like, I go back today and me, it was all love for coach Fisher. I actually do like, or I have liked him as an individual since good family. I remember when I finally met his mother, his mom was like superintendent of DISD for like 30 years. I think she Power, power. And that probably is where it comes from. Like for him, there was never a doubt that like he was going to be all right. So he could do and say what he wanted to. Um, but yeah, look, I remember I was a 
four by one. Again, I ran the four by one. That was it. I ran the four by and I threw. I was a thrower and I ran the like that combination alone. How many people are throwers and like discus shot put and then go and run the four by one? That's not normal. Okay. He comes to we we running the four hundred and I'm pretty. I came in like second second or third to last with the rest of the throwers out of our track. Like this was not like we were with everybody, like the whole athletic department running a 400. This was just the track team. And the only people that beat me were like Sino who went to state for for cross country and stuff. If you know, I'm saying names and some people may not know, but if you know, you know, like I, only people that beat me were the niggas who were supposed to. And I came in with the niggas who I probably should have. Like it made sense how I got there. And you look at that and I, he was like, well, if you can't run this, if you can't run the 400, how are you supposed to be able to run a one? What the fuck are you talking about? That don't even make sense. But, you know, 12 year old, 13 year old me couldn't say that's dumb as hell. Like you're, you're not even making logical sense. And he kicked me off the four by one. I was like, OK, bet. I completely stopped track altogether. I was like, that's fine, because we would have had the best thrower in the district if I had continued doing it. And it's worse. I, I did myself a disservice because throwing at that point, I would have continued to do it in the high school. I probably would have been a state championship or a state champion qualifier. At least I was a really good thrower, man. So that's just a funny thing. To, and that's kind of my point and where we're going today is how much those individuals can can stunt the growth by shunning the individual. Like you, you come in and you do this, this power trip that for whatever reason, it makes you feel better about yourself. And it may, I don't know if it's an accomplishment thing, like I didn't, so I want everybody else to, or maybe an I did, so I want everybody else to. I know that happens a lot, especially as far as um, the education world goes. Like you look at like these places where people go into these positions of so-called authority or become authority figures. And a lot of the reason that they go for it is as a way to, you know, remedy what, what went on for them when they were younger. So you had like the the running joke about people who, you know, buy NFL or sports teams as they're you look at the, you know, wide like who is involved in them. And it's it makes sense. It's actually kind of true because it's a it's that flip side. It's often rich white billionaires who got their money through tech. But those guys are often the ones that were bullied back in the day. So they had to go get a bunch of money so they could feel better about themselves. Right. They were bullied or, or not not treated right. Or, you know, they didn't get the girls. They didn't have all the friends. So they were nerds, whatever. Sorry, which I think it's I'm like I was a nerd back in middle school. I was the biggest nerd. I was the biggest nerd. If you remember me with my glasses, I was a nerd. But I was a nerd in such a way that I didn't I did not see myself as a nerd. Like it's probably because growing up in Chicago, like nerd literally was not a bad thing. If you remember the uh, the rich boys, the the ones that made jerk. So back in Chicago, we had uh, <laughs> if you were a jerk, you were a junior educated rich kid. Like that's what jerks stand for. And then if you were cool, cool was constipated, overrated, out of style, loser. So it was like, yeah, you could be cool. You could be a cool kid. Run with that. And then a nerd, I don't remember exactly what nerd was, uh, never, I don't remember, it was never something, but nerd was also like, it was those words, again, we talk about, you know, context and flipping it and changing the narrative. Like that is the biggest mindset hack and it, it lasted for me. Like that treat, that cheat code lasted in such a way that remember at that time, like Travis Porter, all these niggas wore glasses, all of them were kind of like, they wore bright colors and they were goofy. 
So that was cool for me. Like everybody that I admired at that time, the tech guys, all the like techno Mark, uh, Mark Redinger on Techno Buffalo, all these different individuals, they were cool to me, but they were nerds. So nerd was not a bad thing. Pointing to, you know, people that own these sports teams. And a lot of them, you know, I think Mark Cuban's probably the only one that's not like Mark Cuban and even him. He just is cool about it. Like maybe, you know, Robert Kraft. I think Robert Kraft is probably a cool one to hang out with too. I'm going to be honest. He's probably a little racist and trying to like, you know, you know the kind of racist where you're trying to stop being racist. I think he's that kind. Like he, history, you know, conditioning, but he doesn't want to be. So he tries not to be. And he's definitely not going to call you the N-word. I can live with that. I, I can, you know, we, we, can, we can rock around with that. <laughs> Take me on the PJ, Robert. We can rock with that. So, you know, just pointing back to Kwame, he was saying, you know, when they, they bring up these ideas, he's like, yo, that's not going to work. And he pointed next to you, he was talking about, you know, teachers. He was like, the kid that falls asleep in class and then wakes up and aces a test and the teacher, the only thing that they can do is write the kid up. Not only do I know a lot of those individuals, there were times when I was, like, I used to fall asleep in class like a mug. The difference between me and the other kids would be, yeah, I would wake up and you you would be like, oh, Marcus, you missed a test. You only have five minutes to complete it. And in five minutes, I take the test real quick. And like I said last, there's no way you just did you just you did good enough in five minutes. Come to find out I got the highest grade in the class. And even if I didn't get the best, like the amazing grade, which, would be, you know, I guess it would be a good enough grade. It'd be higher than everybody else who sat there listening to you the entire time. So now only two things can be true. Likely both. The information's not that hard and maybe I already knew it or I comprehended it, grasped it, whatever. The second thing that's probably more true and the reason that I think I would get in trouble with now I've just proven to you that you are not a very good teacher, which you may not be that as good as your job as you think you are, because why when everybody was paying attention, they didn't get it. Why? Why did the best grade come from the kid who didn't hear a word of what you said? Hmm. Hmm. So now you're threatened. That's seen as disrespectful. So, I mean, I was looking at, again, like these, the way that I used to, I, I point so much of it back to, I would, I would, the things I would get in trouble for would be somebody would be talking to me and I'm like, yo, leave me alone. Marcus, why are you talking? And I'm like, yo, well, no, that's not really how it was going. Like, I wasn't just talking for fun. Like, I was telling my nigga, like, leave me alone. Oh, well, I only caught you because your voice carries. That's what I would get in, I would get in trouble because my voice carries. You know how much I heard that? as a negative, your voice carries. I die so much these days, I wish I could kind of rewind real quick and go back to those different stages and just be like, F you, F you, F you, F you, F you. Remember the little, the kid of the, the video of that little kid, <laughs> the little white boy, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Sorry, I'm not cussing just for fun, but you know, for context, you got to give the idea of what you're talking about. So man, I, I look at, again, it is a, uh, Sorry, flip the page. I do, like I said, I take notes. I take notes for clarity for myself, but most of my notes are the same thing that I'm, you know, already thinking. And so, like, I was never really a bad kid. I look at you talking about Expo again. That was when I got in trouble. But the only reason I would only get in trouble when, like, especially when it actually was around other individuals that were like me, similar to me, like that also probably had. Um, you know, different neuro on different neurological spectrums that just could not focus for a damn thing and didn't want to focus on anything that didn't interest them. Like that was me. I couldn't focus on anything that I didn't care about. So I liked school. Like I was a good student. I was a great student and I enjoyed school. 
if you made it interesting. Again, talking about creativity, like when you bring certain aspects of, not certain, but when you put creativity directly into, like you infuse that into education, it makes it so much more, more enjoyable, so much of a different experience, especially for a kid like me, but not just for a kid like me, because I understand that a nigga like me was able to learn the stuff regardless. So clearly I would like, it's not me having been the issue. It was the curriculum. It was the information. It was the way it was being presented because if everybody else is, is if everybody else is slacking and not grasping this stuff and I'm already not interested in it, but I still get it. Clearly something has to like, there needs to be a change. I'm like, I would, the, yeah, like I said, when I started actually really getting in trouble, I guess getting in trouble is what you would call it. I would get t- detention for not turning work in. Like, or and it wouldn't be like just not turning it in. It would be truly like not turning it in. Like I would either not do it or I would do it and just forget it. Like I, I'm very I I used to be and still am a forgetful individual, but the way I'm forgetful is different than probably like I'm I'm a misplacing forgetful. I'm the I know I had it, and like you wouldn't believe me. You wouldn't believe a lot of the stories, like if you would you would be like, nah, this nigga, there's no way. I'm the, my dog ate my homework and truly like, I'm pretty sure the dog ate the homework. That was the only logical situation, like solution that I could have come up with at the time. And come to find out my homework was just in my book bag. It was just stuffed down in there somewhere where I couldn't find it. Like I did the work. You know how much I would come like at the end of the day and turn an assignment in and my teacher would be like, you did that early. You just did that at lunch. No, no. You think I'm wasting, you think I'm taking away from my lunch to do your assignment? I would, you already gave me the detention, bro. I would just not do the work. Or you told me I was going to do it and I would just do it then. Like, no, I did. But similar thing, like you, you're so focused on you having to be right because you're the person in the position of power. So there's no way that you can be wrong or no way that you can back down that you're unwilling to, you know, to step off of something that you never had to step onto. Like you're dying on a hill that you didn't even have to die in at all. Like you did not have to. I brought, I made this correlation the other day. You know, they talk about like bringing a knife to a gunfight and the pen being mightier than the sword. And I'm like, I think what happens so much, especially the generation splits, you know, the higher end spectrum and the lowest end spectrum currently, what will happen is one side will bring a gun to a knife fight in a fight where the other side didn't even bring a knife. All they brought was, you know, their words. They brought conversation. They brought understanding. And it was like, oh, well, damn. So you you were going to kill me, huh? You were you were you were planning on me dying. Gotcha. So now when we come back to the table, like you're like, OK, got it. My bad. I was wrong. But when we come back to the table. You got me damned if I'm not going to at least bring a knife this time. And you still brought your gun. So it's like not only did you not come with if I. I brought my knife and we can be like, okay, you know, it was for protection, but I didn't plan on using it. It was just in case, you know, a backup plan. Next time we can come and nobody brings anything or both of us bring something. You still brought your gun to a knife fight. That was never supposed to be a fight at all. I was like, my issue is not with authority, but with a reckless need to prove that these authority figures that they have this reckless abandonment and need to say, I run this, like, this is my show. Like, nigga, I never wanted to be in your show in the first place. I damn sure didn't want to be the lead actor. I was just trying to get out of it, like, do my, play my part, play my role so I could go on to the next episode or the next season to the point where I get my own pilot. Like, why would I want to be in your show? Your show sucks. Your show is terrible. I don't want to be in your show. You have your show. Nobody's here to take over your show. Nobody's trying to outshine you, 80-year-old. 
a 60 year old having a competition with a 10 year old to say I'm in charge, like proving that you are the one in charge. Is that not insane? Is that not is that not an actual ridiculous situation where you have full on nearly retirement age individuals that have this burning need to prove to a not like a nigga who hasn't gone through puberty yet that they're in charge? You got to prove a point to a nigga who is still watching Caillou. Like Wonder Pets is my favorite show and you got to remind me that you're in charge. You go home at the end of the day and you watch The Price is Right. I go home at the end of the day and I watch Hannah Montana. And you think you're biggest, like I'm your biggest adversary in life. You got bigger things to focus on, bro. Like you, you need, you need help, honestly. And that's, that's when you realize like these are mental issues and mental conditions that can so easily be fixed if we were to just shift the way we look at this shit. And also shift the individuals involved in the system, right? Like break the break the system down and pull these people out, take them out because they don't belong. They're not. And it's again, when I look back, I've forgiven them, I guess you would say, like, there's no issue with them. There's an issue with some of them. Like I back in uh, eighth grade, seventh grade, whatever year that was when we had that typing class. And Miss Taylor sat there telling me I wasn't black enough. Yeah, I want to say, tell Miss Taylor today, kiss my black ass. KB, KMBA, kiss my black booty. Because what do you mean? Like those are the same. I used to, you talk white, you talk white. I moved from Chicago to Denton and was being told that I talk white. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Like that, that is a ridiculous, does that, 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 that actually, I hadn't even looked at it that way before until just now. That does not equate to me. I moved from the south side of Chicago to Denton, Texas, and I was told that I talk white. Now, that's that's a little crazy to me. I'm not going to lie. And it, it wasn't crazy. I didn't have it. That did not deter me from speaking the way I speak and the way I speak today. Like, I still, it's called reading. It's called education. It's called learning and growing your vocabulary and, you know, being interested in spreading your knowledge and taking in information in whatever way you want to classify it. It's, it's called being a human that grows and expands and is willing to learn that, yeah, I learned that on the South side of that. And that, that really is where, when I talk about, like, I was one of the lucky ones, it's funny to say because, damn, well, it, it, it's, it's crazy. It ties into stuff like that. My last note here says the most creative, success-driven kids or success-destined kids tend to be the very same ones that Kwame described, you know, the ones that are asleep, whatever it may be, but were shunned and bottled up to make space for others who... Not there's. An, I'm not gonna say anybody deserves more or less attention or cultivation or you know shot at at you know going towards success. But if there's anybody that you're going to make sure, like I I remember the kids, like the underprivileged kids. The, that's what you know you call them, or they would be described as the extra attention that they would get wouldn't be the extra attention that actually helped them. Like it would be the standard woe is me, like pity, like taking pity on them type of attention, but never was it actually anything to develop them or build on their sh- natural strengths or any like chance at actually, you know, a shot at actually seeing what their natural strengths would be. So much of what they like, you know, those individuals get is just passing them on to the next grade or not passing them on to the next grade and keeping them in the same grade for three years. Who keeps somebody in, in fifth grade for three years? Who like who does that? Where do they do that at? And again, talk like when you you bring something like that up, the answer is supposed to be like nowhere else, every fucking where. 
when I talk about like these these changes that we need to make, none of them are drastic. And that's that's the thing. This is very easy stuff, very easy changes that we have to make. But they are changes that have to be made. And the only way they happen is by actually listening to the individuals being affected by them. Like we if we have again these old white people in these powers of position in these positions of power that are, you know, deciding what's going to happen for I think I'm about to have to wrap up. I think there's a girl coming in here to study. I'm about to be done anyway. Uh, yeah, we have these people in these positions that never rode through the ghetto and never been close. But then you're also you're the same one implementing programs for the kids in the ghetto. And you've never talked to any of them or that you've talked to five or six of them that you hand selected and said, these are the ones that we at risk use that are also the the less uh, the least scary the ones that we don't think are going to rob the, the, the our offices. You probably should be taking the nigga who you think is going to rob your office. Like, talk to him. Talk to the drug dealer on the corner who has read every book there is and is a literal fountain of knowledge. And he just, the only reason he's, you know what I, I, I came up, I thought of today? Excuse me. Some is very, it's very funny. I didn't, and I don't know, you know, obviously there was no need to know it, I guess. But even that's kind of the point. Upon getting my license or, you know, learner's permit, I remember them teaching us about the hardship license. So I believe it's like 13 or 14. You can get a hardship license if your family is in a certain and the situations would be rather loose. A lot of them would be people who live out in the country. That's what I found out. But the situation, if you have two parents that work, you know, demanding jobs and say you have a little sibling that has to be picked up from school you could get a hardship license or, you know, disability, whatever it may be, something like that, or a parent who's incarcerated, describing things that these are in the rules and sounds like a lot of situations where, hmm, you know a lot of people who fit this mold, huh? But I wonder how many, how many kids on the South side of Chicago have a hardship license? How many of them know about such a thing? The reason I bring that up, direct correlation to something like a job, because I'm pretty sure that, that, that it works the same way in that avenue as well. And, you know, in that arena, if you are in a hard, you know, a situation where you need to provide for your family, they will allow you to work before 16. If you know, if you know about the rules, like if you know the rules, if you have the education, the information, this is something that is allowed. You know who they don't tell that to, though, like where they don't make that public information, the same nigga who has to go and say, well, damn, the only way my little sister and brother eat tonight is if I find a way to make some money. And I can't go get a job. And the only way I know how to make money and especially quickly and can do it in a way that is that doesn't take me, you know, too far outside of my neighborhood, because I do still got to go pick up my little sister and little brother from school later today. So guess I'm not going to class today or I'm going to miss a couple classes because I got to go hit the block real quick. Flip a couple. So, you know, you see how these these self-fulfilling prophecies, these systems that keep being reinvented and replaced and not reinvented or replaced because they stay the same, but they continue to work. And then you turn around and say, well, look at this. This is the proof that this, excuse me, this is what needs to happen or this is what's going on. Like the reason the war on drugs worked was because you put drugs into the very same places where you were trying to fight drugs. Right. When people talk about I, I, I always love hearing black people say or like people that I'm around say they had a 400 year head start. Or they had all these hundreds of years of head start. And look, well, yeah, I mean, they did have to keep implementing different things to hold us back. And the shit worked. 
CIA, not just the CIA as a whole, but crack, Instagram and AIDS has worked. All of that has worked to perfection. So I guess I, I we're again at that point where my my biggest you know call to action I don't I don't really do a call to action often because my call to action is this like you know spreading I'm you're gonna have to think if you're gonna listen to what I have to say the nuance is gonna be there but also the blatant very explicit message is going to be there so there's no call to action normally but the call to action today is to just look to to stand back and I guess there has been the call to action throughout is going to be to stand back. Like the matrix is breaking, shifting, whatever. My message is don't take the red or the blue pill. It's to stand back and look at the bigger picture and say, well, damn, shit getting it. I was like, I say, like, we keep playing this game. You know, Drake has a song, sticky, shit gets sticky. Like we're playing, it gets sticky and we're acting like we don't know it, that we don't know this game we're playing is a lose-lose for everybody or only a win for a very, the 1%. Because the 1%, like when people talk about the 1%, they try to equate it to wealth or to, to richness. But if, as we, you know, saw most recently, that 1% is very, it's fickle. It's not real. Um, and where it's tied into, a la Kanye, the 1% is not monetary. It's leverage and, and resources and power. Like that's where the 1% actually lies. So the 1% is much smaller than we actually think, but it's still, you know, the 1% is like 0.1%. Like the cabal is the 1%. The Illuminati is the 1%. If you think those secret societies don't exist, they don't exist in maybe the way they're publicized, even though they do. They've got to be doing rituals. But they may not exist in the way that like the satanic, you know, devilish. But there's definitely a larger faction of individuals. The richest man in the world may be Bernard Arnault. But there's like there's families with wealth that we couldn't even imagine. And they are behind the scenes playing puppet masters so fucking well. They are playing puppet masters so damn well. Because how the puppet, the only, the best puppet master you don't even know is there, right? Like the best puppet master, you not only don't know is there, you're telling yourself he doesn't exist. This puppet is real, right? The best puppet master, Pinocchio becomes a real boy. He's no longer controlling the puppet. He's now made the puppet into a real boy. Even more, he's made it to where the puppet cannot tell a lie or on the other side, cannot tell the truth or his nose gets longer. Tied back to history, nose gets cut off. You see the parallels like these parallels are always so interesting because they're not parallels as much as they are very plain you know, metaphors in a way. But they're very clear and evident um, you know, ways that we've been placed into this fucking indoctrination system that again, like keeps breeding out the same thing. I look at, I've said recently, and I'll end it on this because this is probably the best place to end it. The the reason the matrix is breaking and I say shifting in the way is all the things that have been true for all of time, since the beginning of time, especially what we're talking about here specifically, has literally been true since the beginning of time because it goes back that far these things that a certain group of people have been sharing the information about or telling people, hey, you know, look at this. This is what we know to be relatively true or to be true. They've been saying it for quite some time and they've been denied for quite some time. They've been shunned and bottled up to make space for others. We're getting to the point now where these, you know, the powers that be, these very um, resourceful and 
I would say there's a word I'm looking for. Um, I guess powerful ent- entities, but the, the word specifically is you know, people with influence, influential entities, people that can that can spin a narrative and have been spinning the narrative for so long that if they decide to unravel the narrative, it's by their choice. And they don't have to say we've been lying about it. They can only say, well, we're reversing course because we found out new information. And that's the way they're going about it. They're they're publicizing this information, putting it out bit by bit, piece by piece. And the way they're doing it is by saying scientists are now proving information. Evidence is now being found to back so so and so up. You mean the same shit that y'all was killing niggas for and have been killing niggas for for the past, I don't know, however many years. Fuck with Rick Ross because he teaching Wells. I fuck with Dr. Sebi because he teaching hell. And then, you know, I'm not saying the CIA killed Nipsey. It was we know who we know who did it. Never mind. We're not we're not about to do the conspiracy. I'm not a conspiracy theorist by any means. But again, as an ambassador for truth, a lot of it is going to sound like conspiracy because when the powers that be are saying that's all lies, but it only benefits them for it to be a, the only person that wins from it being a lie is them. You start to wonder, huh? Who's really lying here? Because why the fuck I'm a lie, right? Even more, like my it, my my truth or the truth that I'm willing to tell, the truth that so many people are willing to share is not opinion, nor is it fact. It is truth, right? There's a separate, there's a fine line there. The point in that is truth does not mean that like, you don't have to be lying or it's what you do believe. It's what you know to be true and what you believe to be true. And you go from there. But it's your, I'm also willing to say, okay, if I find out new information that shows that I was wrong or that my truth was incorrect, I'm willing to pivot and say, well, damn, okay, this is now what I know or what I now believe. That's what they're doing here, but they're, these were lies being told and now they're framing it as, oh, we're now just finding out more truth. So I guess the call to action is stay woke, my nigga. Stay woke, my nigga. Get your mind right. Relax your mind, your mind, your mind. Relax your mind, let your body be free. Get down to the sounds of the Marcus E. Say, man, it's a happy, it's a freaky, it's a frosty Friday, flashback Friday, man. These are the, this is this is when I think this is getting real fun. It's getting fun because I'm getting loose, I'm getting open, and it only gets more vulnerable and and true, and more, I guess, risque to an extent from here. You know, as an I, I don't necessarily say I have a dangerous job, but like. I also do know, like like Hope said, I've been speaking to the souls of men. Those of them willing to die for the ex- existence that this cold world has chose for them. I do understand that I live in a space where recognition may not be ever, you know, I may never get flowers or whatever, and I'm not looking for them. But I think the thing about, you know, dying for the ex- existence that this cold world has chose for you does not mean assassination or you have to be killed, even though so many of these same individuals have been, it means willing to die. You know, talking about that dying on a hill that you didn't have to die on. This is one that I'm willing to die on because not to be a martyr, but it is a necessity. If you don't die on this hill, that means you got off of it while you were living, right? Standing when I stand on, I can never switch sides. I'm just tired of my kind got to be the one to die. Hey, man, I love y'all. Peace. Gonna get a lot of dough. Anything is possible. Turn me up in the headphone. Yeah. 
Grind it, get a lot of dough And dirt the water obstacles Cause anything is possible yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of gold Stack that bread and buy my nose Anything is possible Yeah Grind to get a lot of dough and dirt through all the obstacles Cause anything is possible Oh man, I got a lot of gold Stack that bread and buy my nose Anything is possible I grind to get a lot of dough and dirt through all the obstacles Cause anything is possible Oh man, I got a lot of gold Stack that bread and buy my nose Anything is possible know is get paper all i do is shit major bought a condo on the top floor in the buildings the skyscraper feeling like i'm kobe lebron for the lakers feeling like i'm idris paul walker